What up, what up, guys? Anthony here, and welcome back for another episode. Uh, Before we get started today, I just want to go ahead and quickly dedicate this episode to one of my good friends, uh, Adrian Portillo. My boy is graduating ELAC this June and will be transferring to UC Berkeley. So proud of him. Knew he could do it all along. Much love. So um, with that, uh, we have a lot to talk about today. I know it's been roughly about two weeks since I uploaded anything. Sorry guys, I've been busy lately with school and work. It's been a hell of a, you know, couple of weeks. But now we're back. Um, Big, big day today with different things that we'll go ahead and talk about. But uh, we'll start off with uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, The new season is now out. I'm going to go ahead and give you guys a quick recap, maybe some thoughts about it. But uh, pretty much the new season of Game of Thrones starts with uh, Danny's arrival at Winterfell. It felt very familiar to me. like it was very similar to Robert and Cersei's arrival in Winterfell back in the very first episode in season one. The North is definitely not the warmest place for outsiders. Um, this first episode was mostly about reunions, but they were very much anticipated, and we were all happy to see them happen. Danny meeting Sansa for the first time was really interesting, or you know the first time John saw Arya since season one. Um, John comes back with an army of foreigners, but you know everyone understands that it's for the good of the cause to combat the dead. No one has ridden a dragon except for Danny, or if you know if you're a Targaryen. But uh, John actually does this with ease, since he is a Targaryen, even if he's unaware that he is. The dragons also allow him to touch them, which we haven't seen anyone do other than Danny. Uh, there was a real heartbreaking scene from Sam meeting Danny. Uh, Danny actually murdered Sam's family, and you know it was just a really powerful scene. And the actor that plays Sam, uh, don't know his name, but he did an amazing job with that scene. Uh, this whole time, everyone knew Jon Snow must be told something that he knows is true, but something that he can't handle. Um, so Sam, well, Bran tells Sam to tell Jon pretty much uh, that he is the child of Danny's brother and his then aunt. He also realizes that his father, Ned Stark, had lied to him his whole life, and but he did it to protect him. Because if Robert Baratheon knew about that, he would have had Jon killed as a baby. So Ned did, in fact, lie to Jon his entire life, but he did it to protect him. So, you know, he was very honorable to the end. That's pretty much for episode one. Again, just mostly reunions, mostly uh, kind of a build-up sort of a deal. Uh, episode 2, however, picks up a little bit uh, when Jamie Lannister shows up to Winterfell. No one really knows how to feel about it, really. It's a lot of confusion. Uh, Danny looks at him as the person who murdered her father. Tyrion has made a lot of mistakes, but his biggest was trusting Cersei and believing that she would send her army north to help with the war. But Jamie, who was true to his word, has really come a long way and has had really major character development. It really shows in his interactions with Brienne. Uh, Danny comes to Sansa to try to form some sort of a friendship as Sansa has kind of given her the cold shoulder ever since she arrived in Winterfell. One thing they have in common is that they both love Jon. Um, in the council scene where everyone is planning their tactics for fighting the Night King and his army, uh, there's a lot of different factors going on, but one of the major ones that was that Bran came up with the idea uh, for... Uh, an assault plan and he's pretty much the key to everything as the Night King is after him primarily. He actually volunteers to be the bait so that they can draw the Night King out in hopes of killing him and in doing so killing his entire army. 
Um, the whole episode had that kind of like, this is our last night together type of a feel because, you know, there's a big war coming and you know shit is going to hit the fan. It was very awkward to see Arya have sex. I don't think anyone wanted to see that. She's like, what, 10 years old in the show? Uh, we all, you know, had our beloved characters celebrate in their own way. And now after seven seasons, they all have one common enemy. And at the end of the episode, the Army of the Dead has reached Winterfell. So this Sunday's episode is really going to be insane. And I don't know if we're ready for it, um, but I'm excited. But yeah, the first two episodes of the new season were good, just not really eventful. Again, mostly build up. So this episode, we're going to see a battle, I believe. I mean, it's pretty obvious, so it'll be more eventful after that. But again, season's been starting out good. Just, you know, it's been mostly build up, which I understand. Um, but we'll see, because this uh, season only has six episodes. So there's four episodes left of the show. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, something cool that uh, happened recently was that we actually got a new Star Wars trailer. The movie's going to be called The Rise of Skywalker. It was only a teaser, but a lot of things happened in that trailer that need to be talked about. Uh, we start off with Rey in the desert somewhere. It could be Jakku or Tatooine or a whole new world. It looks like she's finally in a standoff with Kylo and his TIE Interceptor, and it looks super cool. It's basically just her running and dodging him. You hear Luke's voice in the distance, which means that he's back in some sort of way, whether it be as a forest ghost or something else. He says, we passed on all we know, meaning all the Jedi have passed on to one person, which is her. You know, Mace Windu, Anakin, Obi-Wan, Yoda, everyone. Down to her, thousands of generations, telling her that this is her fight. We see the Skywalker lightsaber again, she's put it back together somehow, and it ignites to that beautiful blue that we know. She runs and force jumps over Kylo's ship, or who we think is Kylo. The next scene is of a planet that we're unfamiliar with, but it looks very lively and full of lights. Then we get a shot of Kylo absolutely destroying someone in hand-to-hand -hand combat, which is really cool, which you don't really see in Star Wars, you know, as they fight with the Force or lightsabers. But nonetheless, really cool to see. Um, with the First Order, you know, being right behind him, so I'm guessing they're invading some sort of planet. Um, he puts his helmet back together, and uh, then we get a shot of Finn and Poe, uh, BB-8 and a new droid. Then my favorite scene of the trailer was when we get to see Lando, Chewie, and the Falcon going into hyperspace. The nostalgia is really real in this trailer. Uh, we then see some speeders uh, chasing the Rebellion. Uh, we hear Luke's voice again in the distance say, We'll always be with you. No one has ever really gone. The fact that he says we means that, you know, there's more than one or two force ghosts that are communicating with her. I hope that it's Anakin, Obi-Wan, Yoda, and Luke. Um, but while the fight, or not the fight, while Luke is finishing uh, that quote of no one is ever really gone, we get a shot of everyone together looking over a stormy sea. And in the distance, you can hear, um, actually see a part of the Death Star that has crash landed there. When uh, that happens, you actually get to hear Palpatine's laugh, which still sends shivers down my spine. As Luke just said, no one has ever really gone. Well, that doesn't just mean for the Jedi, but for the Sith, too. And that's where the trailer ends. So, it was a really cool trailer. Um, it just leaves us with a lot of questions and a lot of confusion. I remember I watched this trailer at least 20 times, trying to analyze things and trying to kind of see what I can get from it. 
so yeah, I have a lot of questions. Uh, the biggest one is, so what could this mean, you know, uh, that Palpatine is back? Um, in the Legends comics, which I believe are canon, uh, Palpatine actually clones himself and was a big fan of cloning, obviously. He was behind the whole Clone Wars. Um, so maybe that could be why. So way before the Phantom Menace, which is episode one, Palpatine goes to Jakku and creates a secret laboratory, which is heavily guarded and no one knows what goes on in there. Maybe when, uh, well, I don't know, get to understand it somehow in this movie and maybe get to see what he was doing down there. Now here's a theory that I have, that he was creating the perfect entity. Maybe he was creating the chosen one. That means that we can go back and see him create Anakin or have that facility that creates someone like the chosen one, which could now be Rey. That means we can go way back before the Phantom Menace, so maybe we can see Darth Plagueis and a young Palpatine. I have so many questions and theories. Uh, was Snoke just a puppet used by Palpatine? Or... I don't even know. There's just so many things or possibilities. But with this full reveal and title reveal, Rise of Skywalker, the question begs to be asked. Which Skywalker are they talking about? Luke? Anakin? Kylo? Maybe even Rey? Overall, I'm really happy with this trailer, seeing the tie-in with Luke saying thousands of years of Jedi flow through you, and then seeing the Death Star and hearing Palpatine's laugh was all just a breath of fresh air. JJ is doing an amazing job tying in all the trilogies together and completing the Skywalker saga. George Lucas once said, and he stated, you know, that the story is about Anakin. Star Wars is about Anakin. And I feel like they were really going to see and learn a lot about him and his arc in this final film. I couldn't be more excited about this. Uh, we've had a dry spell for, what, over a year and a half. Um, but we're really gonna get something uh, finally and it, boy, was amazing. So I'm really excited. Um, it's been forever since we had anything from Star Wars. But this is just amazing and December can't come soon enough. And uh, finally, the day has arrived. Uh, today, Avengers Endgame comes out. Well, at least for us on the West Coast. I know some East Coast people have seen it. Some people in other countries had an earlier release than us. I know it's been really hard to go out there and dodge spoilers. I've been limiting my social media a lot recently because especially you have trolls that, you know, will just comment the spoilers just to be trolls. Those are the people that deserve to be shot. Um, but I'm so excited and I thought that I'd share my final theories before I go and see the movie tonight. Um, I'm going to be talking about the final battle for the most part. Um, my predictions and theories on it. So no confirmed spoilers because obviously I haven't seen the movie, none of us have. But there will be theories shared and I guess they are potential spoilers if I'm right. But I mean, again, I haven't seen the movie. This is all just speculation. Anyway, let's get into it. Uh, I believe the Avengers will face off against Thanos in two key moments in the movie. Maybe three, but I'm thinking two. The battle early on, uh, on Titan 2, in the beginning of the movie, and then of course the final battle. But let's talk about the beginning of the movie where it looks like a certain team will go after Thanos on Titan 2 in the beginning. Uh, the team consists of Captain America, War Machine, Nebula, Black Widow, Thor, Rocket, and Captain Marvel. Pretty much everyone that we saw on the Avengers compound in that one minute sneak peek uh, that was uploaded on YouTube, or I guess uploaded anywhere, where we see them saying that they're going to go after Thanos because they tracked him by using the stones. So that's the team that I think is going to go after him in the beginning. 
um, their mission will be to, you know, get the Infinity Gauntlet and uh, use the stones to undo everything that happened in Infinity War. Now, I think that this first battle on Titan 2 will be the last time we see Thanos with the full gauntlet and in possession of all the Infinity Stones. I believe Captain Marvel can destroy Infinity Stones too, because if you go back to Infinity War, uh, Scarlet Witch was able to destroy the Mind Stone, and she got her powers from that stone. I'm not saying that that's the only stone that she can destroy, I'm pretty sure she has the power to destroy any stone. So with that same logic, I want to assume that Captain Marvel, who got her powers from the Tesseract or the Space Stone, can also destroy stones as well. But again, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but that would work in Thanos' favor because if any stones are destroyed, then the Avengers will be unable to reverse the snap or undo anything that he's done. So maybe during the battle, some of the stones are destroyed, but not all of them. Um, but I also believe that this first mission for the Avengers is destined to fail. And maybe they, you know, even defeat Thanos, but they still fail in the end. Um, and maybe the Thanos that we see at the end of the movie is a past version of Thanos from the era of maybe Infinity War or around that time, maybe sooner. But anyway, I don't think they'll come back to Earth with all six Infinity Stones, and that's what will lead to what comes after. So after the battle on Titan 2, I'm assuming the Avengers will come back to Earth and attempt to move on, and we'll maybe see a montage-style timeline jump that will go forward at least a year, if not a few years. Then Ant-Man will arrive out of nowhere, and together they'll make their plan to go back in time. Um, and then going back in time to get the Infinity Stones from the past, but let's jump ahead to the final battle of the movie. Um... In some recent trailers, we see Thanos leading a massive army, and the footage seems to match the location of other footage we've seen in other trailers. Um, and all of it looks like the Avengers compound. Um, it's really dark, there's a lot of destruction and debris everywhere, but all those scenes match up together, so I'm assuming that's from the same scene. So with that, I think that the final battle will take place on Earth, on the Avengers compound, or at least start there. So how I think it'll go is after the Avengers travel back in time to retrieve the Infinity Stones from the past, it'll greatly change the MCU timeline um, for all the events that happened at that point. Meaning that Thanos would never get the Infinity Stones in Infinity War and the snap would never happen. Also, if the Avengers go back in time to get the Infinity Stones, like for example, they go back to the Battle of New York in the first Avengers movie, which was in 2012, and they take the stones from that point in time to the future several years later, then does that mean the Infinity Stones might not exist on Earth or anywhere in that seven-year period because, you know, they've gone into the future? So when the Avengers take the stones, um, I want to say... So they take them from the past, bring them back to the future at the Avengers compound, um... That same technology that the Avengers have when they contract Thanos um, by his um, use of the stones, I want to say that Thanos has the same exact technology or resources. So um, they can use the stones in the future and Thanos could see the Infinity Stones energy signal or something pop up and he could then come to Earth to retrieve them. And that's why he brings an army because he doesn't have a full gauntlet or Infinity Stones for himself. Uh, because in Infinity War, uh, Thanos took an army to Xandar, as Thor had said, and decimated it because he didn't possess any stones at that time. But once he had the Power Stone, and once he took the Space Stone from Loki and um, Thor, 
at that point, he didn't really need an army anymore. He was so powerful that he didn't he, like, he didn't have the need to have an army. He could do everything on his own. He was, as uh, Bruce Banner had said, the most powerful entity in the universe at that point with only two stones. Um, so he went solo to retrieve the rest of the stones and he had the Black Order retrieve them. So that's what I think uh, can kick off this final battle is once the Avengers have all the Infinity Stones together, Thanos is somehow alerted to that he will just show up and interrupt them as they are trying to use them. I'm assuming that when the Avengers get the stones, they'll bring back all the heroes that were dusted as well. And we might see like maybe 50 to 60 superheroes all attacking Thanos and his army. I assume that any deaths that happen in the final battle are permanent as well. So after they use the stones, after they bring back everyone, any death or anything that happens, um, I, I'm assuming is permanent and, you know, whoever dies isn't coming back at that point. Um, the two main characters I see dying are Captain America and Iron Man. Uh, mostly because, you know, Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr.'s contracts are up after this movie. I do see Iron Man being the one to ultimately defeat Thanos, though. Uh, the whole MCU started with him, and it's only right that it ends with him, too. Plus, there's a reason why Doctor Strange begged Thanos not to kill Tony in Infinity War. It wasn't a coincidence, but overall I'm just excited that the day is finally here and I can't wait to watch it tonight. Um, we're just gonna have to wait and see what happens, but super excited. Haven't been able to sleep because I've just been thinking about this and I'm so lucky that Marvel and the uh, producers only made us wait a year. Because after Infinity War, like if we had to wait multiple years, I don't know what I would have done. So I'm glad we only had to wait a year for that. Um, so we have the NBA playoffs going on right now. We're almost ready to get into round two, which is the semifinals. Um, for that, we had really, really good matchups. I, I want to say everyone's favorite game was one from, what, two days ago was, was the Portland OKC matchup when Damian Lillard hit that clutch three and ended OKC's playoff hopes and advanced them to the next round. Damian Lillard is so clutch, so good. This is the second time he does this in the playoffs too. A few years back when uh, I believe Portland was playing Houston, um, he actually hit a clutch three then and also just eliminated them. And James Harden and Dwight Howard were shocked. Everyone was shocked, but it was just crazy how clutch he is. Uh, you know, we have, uh, I believe, the Houston Rockets and the Utah Jazz, which were also matched up. That one was kind of a sweep. That one was an easy series for them. Uh, Golden State and the Los Angeles Clippers. I'm not going to lie. I thought this was a sweep as well. I didn't think the Clippers were going to win one game. And as soon as they did, and they were down 3-1, all those memes and all those jokes came back from a few years ago. And the 3-1 memes are not going away, especially after last night's game where the Clippers actually edged out another win and now the series is 3-2. So, if, I don't know if we're about to see the Warriors blow another 3-1 lead. It would be amazing. I know everyone except for Warriors fans would be happy about that, but we'll see. I mean, I hate both teams. I hate the Clippers. I hate the Warriors, so I wish they could both lose. But if I had to choose someone in this fight, I would choose the Clippers to win just because we're tired of seeing the Warriors in the finals every single year. Um, it was the same thing with the Patriots. We're sick of seeing them in the Super Bowl every single year as well. Um, the best series for the West, though, in my opinion, has been the Denver and San Antonio one. 
the Nuggets and Spurs have been battling it out, and it's just been a great series. Uh, the Denver Nuggets are up, I believe, 3-2, with tonight being uh, game six. Um, if the you know Denver wins tonight, it's over. But I feel like San Antonio win. I feel like this series is going to go to seven games. It's an amazing series. And I'm excited to see next round as well for the winner of this matchup because that team's going to play Portland. And that's going to be a really, really good series no matter which team it is. Um, but uh, we then go to the East. Uh, we had Toronto and uh, Orlando. We all knew Toronto was going to win this series. I actually thought the Raptors were going to sweep the Magic. Magic I got one lucky win in my opinion. But um, and regardless... Uh, the Toronto is moving on the 76ers and the Nets that was another one which we all thought you know the 76ers were just gonna just decimate the uh, the Nets uh, the Nets put up a good fight uh, they were led by D'Angelo Russell um, still saddens me to see him and another team doing so well when he could have been doing well for us in Los Angeles but regardless I'm still happy for him at least he led his team to the playoffs and got a playoff victory um, we had Boston and Indianapolis, or Indiana, my mistake. I really wanted the Pacers to win because I completely hate all of Boston and other sports teams, and I hate the Celtics, but without Victor Oladipo, with him being out, I think, a few months ago, and he not, you know, playing in the playoffs, it was pretty easy to tell that the Celtics were going to sweep them. Uh, the Pacers had no playmakers. They had no all-stars. And Kyrie did what Kyrie does, and he showed up. Uncle Drew showed up, and he took care of business. So uh, with that last matchup, we had uh, Detroit and Milwaukee. The Bucks swept the uh, Pistons. We all saw that one coming as well with Blake Griffin being injured and not playing, at least for a couple of games, and he played injured for the most part. But even with that, that team is still not that great. So uh, now we have uh, some, well, the East matchups for the semifinals are set. We're going to have Milwaukee against Boston. That's going to be a really good series. I know the Celtics and the Bucks played last year in the playoffs as well, and Boston won. I see it going differently this year. Uh, Greek Creek Giannis is playing at a MVP, you know, rates this year. And I believe he's going to go off. They have a better supporting cast this year. And I see them beating the Celtics and going to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, with Toronto and Philadelphia, I do see the Raptors also beating the 76ers. The 76ers are a good team, but Toronto, I feel like, is playing a lot better. Um, they have a lot of different um, players that can do a lot of different things. Their bench is really good. And overall, their starting team is really good as well. Um, and their team, I want to say, is better than it was last season. So in the East, I do see uh, the Bucks and the Raptors playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. For the West, depending if the Warriors choke and blow this lead, which I hope happens, but realistically, I, I think the Warriors take care of business in the next game. Um, I think it's going to be the Warriors and Rockets versus... Um, whoever wins between Portland and I want to say San Antonio is going to find a way to win two games straight and win that series so we can see Portland and San Antonio so I want to say it's probably going to be the Warriors versus either Portland or San Antonio it's too early to tell um, Denver 
if they do beat San Antonio, I don't see them beating Portland. So I feel like Portland's going to win regardless, and they're going to go to the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors. At least that's my pick on it. Um, so that's pretty much the playoffs. We have to uh, wait and see what else happens. The NFL Draft is today as well. Uh, again, as I said, today is a super, super huge day uh, with a lot of things going on with not only sports, but, you know, have the Avengers and everything coming out today. So I actually had a mock draft uh, set for all the uh, draft picks going in the first round today. I It was really hard because I know there could be a lot of trades, a lot of things that we're not going to see coming. But overall, it's going to really come down to what happens with that first overall pick. Arizona has that first pick in the draft and everyone's thinking that they pick Kyler Murray, the quarterback from Oklahoma. But if they don't, that's really just going to have a ripple effect and change everything. Because the way I set up my mock draft is I do have Arizona taking Kyler Murray as well. But if they don't, I honestly don't know how this draft's going to go, at least for the first 10 to 15 rounds, because that, again, is going to change everything. But a lot of people are saying they have Josh Rosen. Why get another quarterback? I know they have a new offensive coordinator who likes Murray over Rosen, I believe, but Again, if they can't find a good trade partner to trade for Rosen, they'll keep Rosen. Maybe they'll still draft Murray and keep two quarterbacks, which makes no sense. But again, we'll have to wait and see. The draft starts in about four hours. So we just have to wait to see what happens. Um, But in my mock draft, I do still see the Arizona Cardinals taking Kyler Murray. There's a lot of chatter about the Cardinals being undecided on what they'll do with the first pick. But I'm, at least for right now, I'm sticking with Murray as their choice. Uh, round, well, still remaining in round one, but pick number two is the San Francisco 49ers on the clock, and I have them taking Nick Bosa, who, in my opinion, is the best edge rusher in this draft. He is, well, a lot of people are saying he's better than his brother, Joey. Uh, they're both really good, and again, we had to see Nick play in the NFL before he can make a statement like that, but the Niners can't go wrong with Bosa, or maybe even Quinton Williams, a D-tackle here, but I think Bosa is a better fit for them, because I believe they play in a 3-4 scheme, and Quinton Williams plays better in a 4-3, so I see them taking Nick Bosa here at, at pick number two. Uh, pick number three, we have the New York Jets. And again, if the Niners do take Nick Bosa, I do see the Jets getting Quinton Williams, a defensive tackle from Alabama. He uh, has a lot of options. Um, There's a lot of options for the Jets here between Williams. There's Ed Oliver, Josh Allen. There's a lot of good edge rushers in this draft. Maybe they could even trade down. I don't know. But if they don't, I think I see them taking Quinn Williams here. He's the best defensive tackle, in my opinion, in this draft. Um, Pick number four, I had a lot of different players going because only because the Raiders here at pick four can trade down to get more picks or they can choose someone else or go in a different direction. Um, So for pick number four, I had them picking uh, Ed Oliver, the D tackle um, out of Houston. It wouldn't shock me again if Dwayne Haskins is the pick here, the quarterback. I know they had Derek Carr, but I know uh, John Gruden likes uh, quarterbacks with bigger arms, maybe a little bit mobile to fit his scheme. Uh, but they have said that Derek Carr is our quarterback, so again, who knows? But if they don't go with Ed Oliver, I kind of see Dwayne Haskins or another quarterback. Um, but they are desperate for a pass rushing help ever since they traded away Khalil Mack, so I think Ed Oliver is a safe pick here. 
Uh, at pick five, we have the Tampa Bay Bucks. I had them taking Devin White, the linebacker, out of LSU. In this scenario, it'll be a tough call for the Bucks between White and Josh Allen, though, because they're both really, really good premier pass rushers. But I know they lost Quan Alexander in free agency this year, who's now with the 49ers. So I feel like they need a linebacker. So that's why I feel like the safe pick for them would be Devin White. Um, at pick number six, we have the New York Giants. Uh, they have two first round picks in this draft after trading Odell Beckham Jr. to the Browns. Um, with this first pick, I see them taking... I know they need a quarterback. Uh, they know Eli Manning's really close to retirement. But at the same time, with such an early pick, you might want to get someone who's going to contribute right away. So I do see them taking Josh Allen, the edge rusher out of Kentucky. The Giants need a pass rusher and a quarterback. So maybe they take the quarterback here and the pass rusher in the you know later round or in later in the first round. But I feel like with the pass rushers, they're just going to go off the board first and then the quarterbacks might not get picked till later in the draft except for uh murray who i'm thinking is gonna go first overall but if that is the case then i do see them picking josh allen here um i'm hearing that they'll look to like get a pass rusher first and then land one of the best available quarterbacks uh later in the round but um pick number seven uh, is the jacksonville jaguars they have a lot of holes, in my opinion, and I thought that this decision could come down to Hawkinson versus Jonah Williams or Jawan Taylor. Um, I know they need offensive line, especially now that they have Nick Foles at quarterback. They want to protect him, but I feel like they need some weapons as well. Receiver-wise, I don't even know any of the receivers. I know Marquise Lee is there, but besides him, I have no... D.D. Westbrook is another one, but again, those guys aren't number one receivers, uh, so they need weapons. I don't think they have a tight end, so I kind of have them picking TJ Hawkinson out of Iowa, the tight end. I could be wrong here. They might go offensive line. They might go somewhere else, but I just feel like because they don't have that many weapons on offense, they want to supply Nick Foles with as many weapons as possible, so that's why I feel like the safe pick might be uh, the tight end TJ Hawkinson for them. Pick number eight, uh, we have the Houston Texans. I think, um, well, that's if they trade with the Lions. Um, which is what I'm predicting, because pick eight is the Detroit Lions, but I feel like the Texans might trade up. So I feel like this is a, the first trade we're going to see of the night with the Texans trading up to get the first uh, round pick from the Lions, which is pick number eight. And here they'll take an offensive tackle. Um, there's a lot of rumblings about Detroit and Buffalo looking to trade down, and the Texans are desperate for tackle help. I feel so bad for their quarterback who was under so much duress, so much pressure all year long. Their offensive line is one of the worst, so I feel like they need to get one of the premier offensive tackles here, and in my opinion, that is Andre Dillard uh, out of Washington State, And um, but again, we'll see. If they don't pick, if they don't trade up here, and this is Detroit's pick, I don't know who Detroit takes this early, but I do feel like at some point the Texans are going to trade up, and I do see Detroit being one of those trade partners, and I do see this trade happening at pick number eight. Um, pick number nine, we have the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Buffalo would love to trade down, in my opinion, but their offseason has been all about trying to support their quarterback, Josh Allen. Uh, I feel like they get an offensive guard here. They get Jonah Williams out of Alabama. Williams is a steadily solid player who will help keep, you know, Josh Allen upright. Uh, they need to support their uh, 
well, he's not a rookie anymore, but they're second-year quarterback. They need to give him some protection. He's got some weapons, so I think it's all about the protection. So I can see them getting an offensive uh, tackle or guard. Uh, general, the uh, offensive lineman here in this pick. Pick number 10 is the Denver Broncos. This one was another one that was hard for me because I was wondering, like, what are they going to do here? They have a few holes to fill. I was thinking that they would get a quarterback. I know they just traded for Joe Flacco, and Joe Flacco is going to be their starting quarterback, but they need a quarterback for the future. They haven't had a good contingency plan ever since Peyton Manning was there when they had Brock Osweiler, when they thought Osweiler was going to be the future. So they don't have that plan anymore. So I want to say they go quarterback, but I'm not too sure if John Elway is going to do that. His way has always, I mean, for, you know, first of all, he's never really been good at picking a quarterback. But secondly, it's just... I want to say that they might pick a player that's going to contribute right away and not someone that's going to sit on the bench for a few years. If that's the case, in my opinion, I feel like it is. I see them going uh, linebacker here and getting Devin Bush out of Michigan. The Broncos have done a lot of work uh, in this year's quarterback class, but they ultimately address, uh, I want to say, on the defensive side of the ball in the first round. Um, But Bush... If they do go with him here, has a chance to be an elite player in this defense. Their defense is really good. He has a good defensive mentor in uh, Vaughn Miller, and he's going to fit right in this defense. So if not quarterback, I do see them taking Devin Bush, the linebacker here. Pick number 11 is the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, They have a lot of holes, so it was really hard to see what they would do. I have them taking a uh, defensive edge rusher. I have them taking Brian Burns uh, out of Florida State. He's a really good pass rusher, and Cincinnati needs help on defense, and I think Burns fits the bill. Pick number 12 is the Green Bay Packers. Another one which they have a few holes, and I didn't know which way they will go, but ultimately I made a decision that they might get an offensive tackle. Um, They want to keep Aaron Rodgers healthy. He's been injured the last few seasons. Um, If... Andre Dillard were to fall, he'd come into play here, in my opinion. But with him off the board, they're still able to address the offensive line. Uh, Jawan Taylor is a plug-and-play right tackle, and I think he'll be an upgrade over Brian Bulaga, who's our current right tackle, but who's really, really old and getting up there with age. So I feel like they go offensive tackle here. Uh, Pick number 13, we have the Miami Dolphins. Uh, The Dolphins D-line coach, Marion Hobby, coached uh, many different prospects in the uh, pre-draft and uh, one of them was Christian Wilkins a defense tackle who I see them picking here and he's one of the safer picks in this draft and feels a need Miami wants to get better on defense I know they don't have a quarterback as well so in my opinion the top two picks for them I think would be either Christian Wilkins a D-tackle or a quarterback here whether it be Hoskins or Drew Locke, or any other quarterback, because I know they just uh, got rid of Ryan Tannehill. They don't have a quarterback, but they don't have a defensive line either. So if not the defensive tackle, I do see them taking a quarterback here. Uh, Pick number 14, we have the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, The Falcons were in love with many different players, but I think they ultimately go with uh, offensive tackle Cody Ford. Um, they look to get younger and more talented on the offensive line, honestly. Their offense is set. Their defense is okay. They just had a lot of injuries last year or else they would have made the playoffs. So I feel like they just get more offensive line help with this. 
pick number 15 is the Washington Redskins. This one, I think everyone knows they're going to go quarterback here. Alex Smith had that horrific injury. We don't know if he's ever going to play again, and they have no other answer besides him. So there's a lot of chatter about the Redskins trying to move up for a quarterback. If they don't trade up, uh, I believe the target is Dwayne Haskins, and he more than likely will be available here at 15 unless the Dolphins do grab a quarterback at pick 13. But if not, I want to say Dwayne Haskins is a solid pick for them at pick 15. Then we go to pick 16, and we have the... <coughs> the uh, Sorry, my excuse me. Uh, the Carolina Panthers. Um, I want to say they need some help on the defensive line. And again, this draft is very, very heavy on defensive players, especially edge rushers. Um, I want to say they'll take Montez Sweat, who is out of Mississippi State, and he shocked the world when he ran the 40-yard dash in this year's uh, combine. He ran a 4-4 something, I believe, which is blazing speed. That's wide receiver speed, which is ridiculous. So he'll be uh, fascinating to follow on draft day. He's an elite talent for sure, but uh, some teams are concerned about his heart condition. Um, which is why I feel like he might fall to them because if he didn't have that heart condition He would be a top five pick for sure But with that heart condition a lot of teams are a little worried about it Which is why I feel like his draft stock will fall a bit and if it does I do see the Panthers taking him at pick 16 So pick 17 we have the Giants again This is the draft pick that the Cleveland Browns traded over to them and if they do take the linebacker in uh, the earlier round, um, then I do see them taking a quarterback here for sure. And with the other quarterbacks, as I mentioned before, off the board, I do see them taking Daniel Jones out of Duke this year. At the same time, you can't rule out Drew Locke here, but Jones has long been associated with the Giants, and I think they get their quarterback here. Pick number 18, we have the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, just like the, uh, the Texans, they have one of the worst offensive lines in the league. And they need to protect Kirk Cousins. That was a big reason why they didn't make the playoffs last year. Kirk Cousins was under fire every single game. The Vikings must address the O-line. Um, I think they get uh, Garrett Bradbury here. Uh, center out of New York State. Or, my mistake, North Carolina State. Um, Bradbury is one of the best center prospects, in my opinion. I want to say he's the best center in the league. And uh, Pat Elfling, who is their starting center, I can see them moving him to guard to clear a spot for him, and their offensive line will just get better. Um, pick number 19, we have the Tennessee Titans. I see them actually going to the offense in this draft and getting a wide receiver. I see them actually getting Marquise Brown, who I believe is one of the faster wide receivers in this draft. I know some believe Tennessee will go with a D lineman. I did see that as well, but this is a huge year for Marcus Mariota. I want to say he's in a contract year this year, and uh, they give him some more help. However, there have been some rumblings that the Titans could be a surprise uh, to maybe trade down as well. So we'll just have to wait and see, but I do see them taking a wide receiver here in this pick. Pick number 20, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the Steelers really need to add playmakers in the secondary. Their secondary has been trashed for many, many years. Um, I see them taking a cornerback, uh, Rocky Asin out of Temple. He, uh, I want to say is probably the safest corner prospect in the draft and it'll fill a need for them immediately. Pick number 21, we have the Seattle Seahawks. Um, there's a lot of teams interested to see where, uh, a few players are going to be going. I see them taking an edge rusher since they just traded away, 
Um, ah, my God, I completely forgot his name. They just traded the Chiefs. Uh, they traded this player away to them and received a first and second round pick, which is why they have two first round picks in this year's draft. Um, but they don't have edge rush pressure anymore. So I see them taking Rashawn Gary out of Michigan. If he goes to a team with, you know, their defense is going to be back to almost what it was a few years ago. Uh, Frank Clark. Now that's the name I was forgetting. Frank Clark was the one that they traded away to the Chiefs. So I think Rashawn Gary out of Michigan is going to really uh, fill that void left by Frank Clark. Pick 22, we have my team, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I see us doing a lot of different things. I can see us trading down again, as we did last season. Um, if not, there is a lot of possibilities. A lot of people are thinking wide receiver. A lot of people are thinking, you know, a linebacker to fill the void left by uh, the departures we had this season with uh, Terrell Suggs and CJ Mosley. But... If I want to say the safest pick would probably be offensive line. We have Marshall Yonda, who we just gave an extension to, but he is getting older. Ronley Stanley is solid, and so is um, Orlando Brown Jr., the rookie from last season. But other than that, the offensive line isn't that good. So I could see them maybe, if not trading back, um, getting an offensive lineman. And I think it's Elton Jenkins, the center out of Mississippi State and uh, going offensive line to help protect Lamar Jackson. Pick 23, we have the um, Detroit Lions, and this was the pick originally from the Houston Texans, and this is uh, when I said that they, the Texans would trade up and swap picks with the Lions. So if that doesn't happen, this is where the Texans will be picking, but with that trade that I think is gonna happen, the Lions will now be picking here, and with that, uh, I want to say Detroit's going to go defensive back. I see them picking Byron Murphy, the cornerback out of Washington. Uh, I want to say they get the best available corner since they have Darius Slay, but they don't have anyone to pair up with him. So that will immediately upgrade their defense. Pick 24, we have the Oakland Raiders again. Um, I want to say I was going a different route with them, but because Marshawn Lynch retired again, the Raiders have a need at running back. But the question is, do they take Jacobs here or do they wait to find like another running back in the middle rounds? Josh Jacobs out of Alabama is the best running back available in this draft, in my opinion. So if he's still there and one of their later picks, I do see them taking Josh Jacobs here. Pick 25, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. I could kind of see the Eagles trading back, but in this scenario, they have to take the best player available, in my opinion. And I want to say at this point, with the players that are already off the board, uh, Kleenan Farrell, the edge rusher out of Clemson, I want to say would be one of the better players in this draft. So if they don't trade back, I see them taking that edge rusher here. Pick number 26, we have the Indianapolis Colts. Um, the Colts really, really need help on the defensive side. Their offense was phenomenal last season, but that defense needs help. And I see them picking uh, Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive tackle out of Mississippi State. Pick 27, we have the Raiders once again for their third first round pick. Um, there's a bunch of teams picking late in this first round that are looking for safeties. And I think that the Raiders are one of them. I see them picking Darnell Savage, the safety out of Maryland here, and helping to fix that defense because that defense was horrid last year. Um, after that, we have pick 28, which is the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, the Chargers did lose Jason Verrett and free agency, so they have a void at corner. 
I do see them picking uh, Joe Juan Williams out of Vanderbilt. It would surprise some people to see Williams go this early, but I think he's a great fit for their coordinator, Gus Bradley's scheme. So I do see them picking uh, him here at pick 28. Pick 29, we have the Seattle Seahawks again. This is the pick that they received from the uh, Kansas City Chiefs for that trade for uh, Frank Clark. Um, with the departure of Earl Thomas and him being in Baltimore now, I do see them wanting to get a safety. And I think uh, Seattle finds their next version of Cam Chancellor with uh, Jonathan Abram from Mississippi State here at pick 29. Pick 30, we have the Packers once again. Um, this one is really, really tough. I know I had them picking an offensive line earlier. I want to say maybe a wide receiver to give Aaron Rodgers more weapons. If not, maybe something on the defense. This is the pick. I'm not too sure exactly what they're going to do. Maybe they trade back. Maybe they get the best player available. I can give you a crazy scenario, though. What if the Green Bay Packers at pick number 30 select Drew Locke, quarterback? That would blow everyone's mind why they would pick a quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is getting up there with age, and he's... You know, his health is a concern. He's been injured, what, every single year the past few years? Um, a lot of people would say this is a crazy pick. Just get something that, or somebody that's going to contribute right away. But maybe if they get a quarterback here, he can sit behind Rodgers for a few years. And once Rodgers retires, they have a quarterback for the future. It worked when they had Brett Favre and they drafted Aaron Rodgers. So I'd say, again, I'm not sure exactly what they'll do here. But just to throw it out there, just to be a little crazy... Let's say it's, they take uh, Drew Locke, quarterback out of Missouri, uh, with pick number 30. Pick 31, uh, we have the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, the Rams need to get some reinforcements for that offensive line. Um, it didn't do so well against uh, the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I see them taking uh, Chris Littlestorm, uh, offensive guard out of Boston College here. And the last pick, pick number 32, we have the New England Patriots. Um... The Patriots could do a lot of things here. They have a few holes, even though that's never stopped them before. They could trade down. They can go a lot of different directions. Maybe get defensive end since uh, Trey Flowers is no longer the team and Michael Bennett is not going to fill that void at his age. But uh, with Rob Gronkowski also retiring, I do see them taking Noah Font here, who is one of the better tight ends in the draft. Um... I don't think they'll have to trade up to get him. I feel like Noah Fenton will slip to them at pick number 32. That'll be an immediate replacement for Rob Gronkowski, and their offense will be stellar once again. But um, that's my uh, mock draft for this year. We're going to see kind of how it goes. Um, we'll see if I'm right in about, what, four hours for the draft to start. But uh, overall, that's about it for today. We had a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, that Star Wars trailer, I had to dissect it so much. Um, same thing with uh, the Avengers uh, coming out tonight. I had to go ahead and just give you guys my theory on what's going to happen. We'll see if I'm right. We'll see if I'm wrong. Regardless, it's going to be an amazing movie. I'm not ready for it to end. Uh, NFL draft starting today. We're going to see who our favorite teams pick. And with the NBA final, not the finals, the uh, playoffs going on right now. A lot of crazy games. Round two is about to start. So excited. So many exciting things happening. Uh, thank you all for listening today. Again, I have my official Instagram page for the podcast. Go ahead and leave a like and subscribe. And we'll go ahead and see you guys in the next one. Peace.